Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, joined by my friend and co-host, Christian Ubius, and we are once again joined by a special guest this week, the progenitor of Magic May. It is Paul Gonzalez. Paul, how are you? It is exciting to have you here on Cinema Drip, making your, your debut. Scott, I can't tell you how excited I am to finally be on the podcast. I've been listening. Christian's going to hate me for this, but since football month, that was a joy for me to listen to. And this Magic May has been incredible to follow along to. Well, I am glad to hear it. it as stated, it was your idea for uh, this to be a blend of the month, so I'm glad that you are enjoying it. And I am especially glad to know that football month connected with at least one person out there besides myself. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the worst things in the world it, it's 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 one of the worst sins i have committed christian i got you to watch draft day and that will permanently bring a smile to my face <laughs> although unfortunately we were also watching that in light of chadwick boseman's recent passing so there was at least an, one other connection to it aside from football month but i'll still always treasure the fact that i had to force you to watch that but we are not talking about football movies here in the month of May. We are talking about magic movies, specifically magicians and illusionists of different stripes. And we get to wrap things up this week with our most recent movie, 2013's Now You See Me. This is a movie that I had seen before. I was a fan of it, and I was looking forward to rewatching it. So, Paul, is this something that you had seen before, or is this something you were seeing for the first time? Did you have any connection to it? I had seen Now You See Me before. I believe I was in high school. I don't remember when, but then I remember seeing the sequel in college, and I can safely say Now You See Me is the better of the two films. Unless you really need to take a nap. Now You See Me too. Not not very well loved in terms of recent blockbuster movies. I can say, looking back at my old IMDb ratings before I, I met and fell in love with Letterboxd, I did give the original Now You See Me an 8 out of 10, and the sequel a 6 out of 10. And I am a better critic now than I was then, so who knows what to make of those ratings. But <laughs> I was being nice to Now You See Me too, compared to some of the reviews I read over the weekend. So, Now You See Me, to me, is kind of an interesting movie. We do like to talk about some of the background for these movies before we get into discussing them and reviewing them. And the reason I say it's interesting to me is that it comes out in 2013, which is right around the time that superheroes are continuing to take over Hollywood. We've already gotten the first Avengers movie. The MCU is well underway. DC is working on its movies. Man of Steel had come out. I didn't double check the date, but I'm pretty sure Man of Steel had come out and DC was working on their movies. And if you look at the highest grossing movies of the year, it is either Disney or a sequel or something that kicked off a franchise. Lots and lots of IP this year. And so Now You See Me, to me, is a little bit of an oasis in that it's an original blockbuster with a bunch of movie stars thrown into it, doing fun things, and it made a ton of money. It was a huge hit. So I'm excited to look at it as these kinds of original blockbusters are, it's weird to call them a dying breed, just because I'm sure we'll always have blockbusters, but... In a world where we are getting a lot of superhero movies or a lot of Fast and Furious movies or James Bond, whatever you want to call it, Now You See Me kind of stands out as an original blockbuster from the last decade. Did, was that in either of your minds as you were watching this movie? Was it something that you 
kind of took with took with you into it thinking about just hollywood i mean it's i it, i don't know it, it has a lot of recognizable people in it which i do think was surprising they did get an ensemble cast you do have woody harrelson you do have jesse eisenberg you do have isla fisher and uh, dave franco dave franco is not in that many things <laughs> i'm like oh yeah this is this is where this man is but it's i, I I'm, I'm not sure it was on a grand scale we use the word epic in terms of scale sometimes this is kind of that it spans like a huge canvas just like they said in the movie so i you get a lot for your money yeah and i think it's i mean you can accurately call it a thriller because that's the closest thing in my mind you can put it to and i think it also came out around the sound time same time as fast and furious 6 of in theaters and it was also just very successful i think it that's the only thing that beat it on the box office so well gentlemen it's time to discuss some more of these key players here uh, christian you did bring up a few of them but uh we'll get the whole behind the scenes and in front of the scenes group here so now you see me as we mentioned is a 2013 movie directed by louis leterrier he's a french filmmaker who has been pretty successful in hollywood he actually is the ill-fated director of The Incredible Hulk, starring Edward Norton, who, of course, was in our last movie, The Illusionist, and Now You See Me features his replacement in Mark Ruffalo. Um, it was written by multiple screenwriters, so I'm, I wonder, you know, Christian, if you'll have any thoughts on the screenplay as we get into our review later, but written by Ed Solomon, who's most famous for the Bill and Ted movies, as well as Boaz Yakin, speaking of football month, he directed Remember the Titans, and Edward Ricor. And it was produced by Alex Kurtman and Roberto Orki, among others. And they are very successful in terms of making blockbuster movies that bring in lots of money, but also are sort of famous for making mediocre movies. So again, as we get to the review later, I'm curious to see if you guys will have any any thoughts pro Kurtzman Orki or con. In terms of the stars here, it's an ensemble cast, as Christian mentioned. Jesse Eisenberg. Woody Harrelson, Isla Fisher, and Dave Franco are the four horsemen, the magicians that make this movie befitting of Magic May. And the cast also features Mark Ruffalo, Melanie Laurent, Michael Caine, and Morgan Freeman. What is Michael Caine doing in this movie? <laughs> Cashing I'm, I'm a paycheck, sorry. Christian. That's what he's doing in this movie. He's there at the beginning. No, not, not at the beginning. He shows up like 15 minutes in. He's there for three scenes, and he's gone. Why? So that he could take that giant check to the bank and have a vacation, <laughs> I assume. This movie, we, we didn't mention this just yet, but it had a $75 million budget and it was a big success, over $350 million at the global box office. And I honestly believe that that $75 million budget, a huge chunk of it had to be in just gathering the cast. You have Kane and Morgan Freeman, these longtime successful actors, Harrelson and Eisenberg, you know, coming off Oscar nominations, huge commodities in Hollywood at the time. And even Isla Fisher, someone who'd been around and been successful, Dave Franco, someone who's on the rise after 21 Jump Street and some other comedies that he'd been in. So a very expensive cast. That's my guess on Michael Kane. He just saw the offer for the movie and decided that he was going to have some fun with it. I normally mention some of the other behind the scenes players here. So we can also shout out the music here done by Brian Tyler and the cinematography handled by a team, Larry Fong and Mitchell Amundsen. Our first movie of magic May with no Oscar nominations. Apologies for that gentleman. Uh, but really just a through and through blockbuster here. So 
In terms of the approach, that's going to be my opening question for you two. We had The Prestige, which was Christopher Nolan, prestige filmmaking, if you pardon the this, the matching word there, an important movie in a way, and one that has lived on with a nice reputation. Then we had The Illusionist, a movie that was aspiring to a lot, and in Christian and Maya's estimation, didn't necessarily reach what it was going for, but still got some love at the box office and an Oscar nomination of its own. And now we have Now You See Me, a movie that is not dealing with weighty themes, that is not trying to deepen our understanding of the human condition, but is really just trying to help the audience have a good time at the movies. So Christian and Paul, is Now You See Me successful in what it's going for, or is it more of a bust? Well, I'm not the film critic here. You two obviously studied film, you know, way more of me. I don't think I can call it a bust, but I cannot put it up to the same grandeur as is The Prestige. I mean, it's just phenomenally decked directed by Christopher Nolan. Christian Bale is a phenomenal actor that is good in everything that he puts his mind to. But at the same time, it is very captivating. I mean, you do have this star-studded cast that ultimately comes together to for- put together one solo project, I guess a major theme of the movie. Oh, wait, okay. Have both of you seen Ocean's Eleven? Yes. Unfortunately, I have not. I'm very sorry. Ah, Paul. <laughs> you're fine no it's 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 very similar to that because the okay in terms of reusable premises you collect your team you make us care about the team and then you have the team act out a robbery and that goes on i mean that that's going on for a while crime uh, dramas thrillers comedies have to have an ensemble in which you can, I don't know, continue, continue it. So I, in, I liked our four core people. So I don't think this thing's a bust. I, I think that it's enjoyable because I can actually care about four individuals who, and, and this is what I warned you about. I like this more than Ocean's Eleven, Scott. Oh, Christian. <laughs> I think this is better than Ocean's Eleven. I'm really Because Ocean's Eleven has too many people. Sounds good. I won't watch it. Oh, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Paul. And, and because of that, you can have and spend time with four individuals and just like continue on with them. Christian, I am still reeling from how aggressively scorching hot that take was. <laughs> it's an opinion. <laughs> Well, opinion, take, same difference. And I, if, if we're going to play our hands a little bit here, I think I see your point in terms of this movie shrinking down the ensemble and giving us a more manageable amount of people to focus, to focus on and to feature. But it does a worse job than Ocean's Eleven in terms of ensemble heist movies go and get, at getting us invested in the characters and understanding the crew. And part of that reason, which I had forgotten on this rewatch, was just how much Mark Ruffalo's character features in this movie. So let's chat a little bit about just the the general plot, the major players, and then dive deeper into this review. So we mentioned 
Jesse Eisenberg, Woody Harrelson, Dave Franco, and Isla Fisher play four magicians who form the Four Horsemen. This, these individual performers coming together by some unseen benefactor who gives them the tools and the training they need to pull off these elaborate heists. And so after their first heist, Mark Ruffalo's character, Dylan Rhodes, who is a part of the FBI, is partnered with Melanie Laurent's character, Alma Dre, who is a French Interpol agent. And they go on the chase after the four horsemen, trying to stop them and catch them in the act, robbing these banks that they are stealing from. And it's understood that they need to steal three, and then they're done, and their mysterious benefactor will reveal themselves and we'll have our, our twist ending. So... As I was saying, I I didn't like the structure of Now You See Me coming back to it. And maybe that's because of my my enjoyment of the Oceans movies or just these ensemble movies. I, I didn't love the fact that they spent so little time focused on the ensemble. And we didn't get to have their, their interplay and their quips and their goofing around with each other. And we focused so heavily on the FBI agents. Paul... In terms of that balance, what were your thoughts rewatching this movie? Do you, I mean, do you think it's you're with Christian where it does a better job, or with or with me where you're not not so sure? Or are you somewhere else in between? I'd have to side more with Christian on this one because I could definitely relate to the four main horsemen, and then even the characters Dylan Rhodes, his partner in crime, I forget her name. It's played by Melanie Loren, and then. Even Morgan Freeman, who Thaddeus Bradley in the film, he comes along and you can still just relate to each of these characters individually. So overall, I can say it's a much better film, even though I haven't seen Ocean's Eleven. I'm very oh sorry, my Scott. Gosh. Come on, Paul. <laughs> At least watch <laughs> Ocean's Eleven first before you say which one's better. But, okay. Um, you know, let's... I, I do have this question for you, Paul. What are your thoughts on on the magic in, in this movie? And And this is... You know what? Maybe let's, I don't know you. So let's go into this. Why magic? What do you do with it? Why magic? Well, I'll be honest with you, Christian. How I got into magic truly in college, I was born. Miami, where Scott and I both hail from. Love and Miami of Ohio. Let's Let's, let's get this right. We were first. Miami was university when Florida was owned by Spain. Carry on, Paul. Yes, that is very true. Yes, we have. If you want me to crop on Florida, you know I will. <laughs> Although Ohio is just a wasteland. Oh, goodness gracious. Ouch. That's not even so remotely keep going. true. But yes, at Miami of Ohio, we have an optional J term. And if not, you have a six week break. And in between my junior and senior year, I didn't have a job. So I decided to go on YouTube and learn a ton of magic because I was always fascinated by it as a kid. But as far as like, oh, I can might be able to do some of this. I decided to go see what I could find. And through that, I have gained an encyclopedia of knowledge. I am by definition professional. I have been paid to do two shows. I've done a few talent shows. So yes, I enjoy magic and yeah. Which which of the four horsemen best, best captures your style? Are you the sleight of hand? Are you an escape artist? Please say you're an escape artist. Uh, I like to say I dabble in all of it. I very much do enjoy Dave Franco just because he does what I say is more real. Like he throws cards, something that's very skilled. He learned that for the film. I know that from studying magicians and through the magic consultant Dave Kwong on this film. He's brilliant. And Dave, Dave Franco learned all those moves. And oh, I was just I was just going to say in in the essence of magic in movies, 
or and magicians and illusionists being portrayed in movies? Do you normally see the magic there as accurate? Do you enjoy how it's being portrayed, or are you not normally a fan of what they do? I'd say Hollywood, for the most part, does a very good job of blending real magic in movies with the stuff that is hypothetical. Like, in the one show in New Orleans with Now You See Me, they do show the behind the scenes of a rabbit in a box and how you pulled it off. And it's very accurate. That's exactly how it's done. But then in the scene later where uh, Henley is floating in a bubble, flying on stage is hard enough and it's impossible to float in a bubble. But again, that is just, it's very Hollywood-esque and it looks entertaining. And then obviously the bubble pops and Daniel Atlas catches her in her arms. And it's a great show. That uh, that element of Now You See Me is, is another interesting one. The play between real magic and fantasy, because we learn... Over the course of the movie, we learn about this secret organization called the Eye that's been existing in the shadows for hundreds of years, started in ancient Egypt, and it's possible that they have access to real magic. And so these magicians are trying to prove themselves by robbing these banks to get access to the Eye. So even some of these tricks, they're they're playing with the fantasy aspect of it as well, while still handling the real magic well, especially, you know, if, if you said you you know the consultant who worked in this movie you can you can attest <laughs> to him and can say that he knows what he's doing then hey i mean some of the real magic that they do in this movie is pretty pretty solid so this movie has kind of a combination of things this movie uh, uh I, I guess it's more similar to the prestige but he, I'll, I'll explain what i'm trying to say it shows the trick and then immediately reveals it so kind of the prestige was very focused on the science behind how magic tricks occur. The illusionist was more, I don't know what the illusionist was trying to do. It was trying to do, uh, it, it was trying spiritual. to do something spiritual and, and deep. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Now you see me is taking kind of a different approach than the prestige though. It's immediate. This is the trick. This is how we do it. This is the trick. This is how we do it. Let me explain it. And they're much more focused on skill kind of skill levels it's like yeah you might know how to do a trick guess what you still need to practice it you might know that in order for us to rob this safe we are going to insert a mirror in here but this is a giant mirror where are you gonna get this mirror or yeah you know you can cut someone by throwing a card at them who has time to learn that (laughs) So it's kind of in, impresses you with the, the, the um, I don't know, intensity with which these skills are portrayed. And again, Paul, like, what are your thoughts on the way in which they are approaching magic in that sense? Not of uh, we're going to keep the reveal, but more of uh, we're going to put the skill forth. Yes. First, I want to say, Christian, I think I could teach you how to throw playing cards in about an afternoon. It's really not that hard. Then Christian can have a way to combat me in my my takes when I'm too in love with the critical consensus. He can whip cards at my face. I will. Can s- I use them to throw it at my roommate? Uh, kind of what I want to use that for. Or can I use it to hunt ducks? No, geese. Can I use it to hunt geese? I don't like geese. <laughs> I don't know why you hate geese, but okay. Um, I do. Kn- I do know in the film, Dave Franco did cut Mark Ruffalo in the playing card scene where he throws cards at him. It is rather hard to actually cut someone with regular playing cards. If you get ones that are made out of plastic, you can hurt someone. 
but it's very easy to cut in vegetables even with the regular playing cards. Uh, back to the original question of showing the actual skill behind the magic. I'd say, yes, that is a big part of it, just because in planning magic, even for myself, so much of it is just rehearsal over and over again, making sure the beats are right, can I do this one move, the sleight of hand. I'd say I really appreciate the fact taking the time to actually show how much goes into one act and then even an entire show. I mean, pulling off a bank heist is very hard and then revealing how you do it. I'm not sure I would want to do that if I pulled off a bank heist. And a lot of the reveals are handled via Morgan Freeman, which is kind of funny because he's playing this ex-magician who now is has dedicated his career to ruining magicians i guess (laughs) explaining how their tricks work and and foiling their illusions so he is often the one explaining how the magic quote-unquote happened and telling it to other characters but obviously filling us in as the audience which is kind of funny did anyone did any of us not like this movie i'd say i enjoyed it more the first time around than I did the second. I don't know if that's just because I knew the twist was coming, but, like, I enjoyed The Prestige watching it the second time just as much as I did the first, and I think part of that is one to Christopher Nolan's brilliance, but I'd almost even say it comes down to a very similar principle in magic. Even if I know how a trick is done, if the presentation is done so well, I could care less about knowing how it's done. It's just about enjoying the presentation and the show behind all of it. That's a good point, Paul. And I think for me, I enjoyed Now You See Me less coming back to it. I remember really liking it and just having a great time at the movies. Whether I don't even remember who I saw it with at this point because I also was in high school at the time. And I just, there were parts of it that I didn't like as much. Now, I, and it's weird because sometimes you wonder, are you older and wiser? So you pick up on things that you didn't care about when you were younger. Or am I just being too hard on it? I don't know. And I, I like this movie more than The Illusionist, so I don't mean to say <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't like it at all. But I I think for me the I liked it, but I liked it a bit less. What about you, Christian? I I enjoyed it. No, I think it was an entertaining time. I think it was a good time, and it's uh, I don't know. I have one major complaint about it that we can get into later, but it's it, it's one of those where. Uh, what, what's the what's the best way to say this? I enjoyed the showmanship of it. Maybe not always cared about the trick, but I did enjoy their excitement of it. I ha- having not known what these actors' thoughts are because I don't know who these actors are. I feel like they enjoyed making this movie, and that is what came across. And so it's like, yeah, you know, I would. I, I do like these people. This seems like a cool show. I want my bank account to increase by $70,000. <laughs> like, who doesn't want that? Poor Arthur Tressler, the, <laughs> the hundred millionaire robbed on stage. Poor guy. Poor guy, indeed. I, I guess the, the reason that I that it decreased in my estimations is connected to what you're saying, Christian, and that it looks like the people who made the movie were having fun while they were making the movie especially the people who get to play the four horsemen and pull off these magic tricks and be goofy and and get their showmanship on on stage and we just don't spend enough time with them we don't get to see them interact that much and 
even Dave Franco's character, for example, he is the youngest of the bunch. And so I think that there could have been plenty of opportunity for Woody Harrelson as the oldest to have some interplay with him or for him to do awkward hitting on Henley, the one female of the four horsemen, or just have a little bit more to do as the youngest character in the bunch. And instead he, I mean, we only see him on stage with the other horsemen. He gets to do the cool fight scene with Ruffalo, which is honestly one of the better action sequences in the movie. But then his character dies at the end of that crash and he disappears until the end of the movie because of course why would they actually kill him off spoiler alert but again we just didn't get to see him have a ton of interactions with the other people in the group and his best scene is with ruffalo who is his fbi agent trying to chase them down and i just wanted more from the core group of magicians for a movie about magic here in magic may we get the least amount of time with the actual magicians in comparison to the prestige and the illusionist I mean, that's interesting take, but I mean, I think it's just focus of how the show wasn't about one act individually, and maybe that's how they just want to play it off in the movie. I mean, all he, I can't spoil the movie yet, but the masked figure definitely brought, chose each four of those acts because of their own individual skills and brought them all together for one show. So you didn't focus on each person individually. It was all what they were all were doing together, the grand show that they were all putting on as one. Right. And- even so, which I think, again, that's a, a good idea. I, I think it would have made for a better movie to have these four headstrong magicians come together to form a team, which tale as old as time, I'm sure. So they probably could have, that that could have ended up in a bad movie as well. And what we have is not a bad movie. But I just wish that we had more time with the Four Horsemen and less time with Ruffalo's character, which I also understand to get to the ending that this movie was going for, you need to build up Ruffalo's character as much as you build up the Four Horsemen. So I understand why this the screenplay goes the way it does. I, I get what they were going for. But but also, though, the it, I, I would agree with you if the movie had hinted at that. But no, it from the very beginning, you get one instance of the Four Horsemen individually that immediately they're a group, and then you get Ruffalo's character. At no point does it try to... It, it subverts your own expectations by making you think that the movie's about the Four Horsemen, when it's not. And that, I think, is kind of a cool reveal of the movie. How even in in letting that play out, it's like, oh, I'm not getting that much time with the four main characters. That's the point. Like, the point is to not... To, to be given less time with them, but to have them do all the flashy things so that you don't expect who the main reveal is going to be. So, Paul, you mentioned the ending. You mentioned the hooded figure. Uh, we will get to full spoiler talk here. I already mentioned that Dave Franco's character comes back from the dead. But, Paul, why don't you go ahead and, and explain how this movie ends up? And I'd, I'd love to know your thoughts on the ending, where it goes. Were you in favor of it or, or not? I can definitely recall the first time watching this, I was trying to figure out how this movie was going to end because all throughout it, Thaddeus Stevens is trying to break it down for Dylan Rhodes, the FBI agent. And it's like, oh, don't you think it's weird that this assistant came from France and is it's her first job off the desk? And I'm like, oh, she's the main person behind all of this. It's got to be it. And then I'm wondering, wait a minute. And then all of this. And then you find out Jack Watt, Jack Wilder 
Dave Franco's character didn't die. And I'm like, wait a minute, how does this all play? And then at the very end of the show, when the three horsemen disappear and they all appear in a park and then you see Jack Wilder again. And then there's the big reveal at a, at a merry-go-round, I believe. And then all you see is Dylan Rhodes and the four horsemen are like, I did not see that coming. I remember the first time seeing this, I'm like, yeah, I didn't think Mark Ruffalo would have been the one to organize all of this. It blew my mind. And I think it was a very successful twist and a very good magic reveal. I I liked it. Yeah. I mean, I could say I'm not disappointed in the twist, which, you know, something about movies about magicians, something, something magic trick, something, something plot twist, the prestige. I don't know. Got to have some kind of narrative twist in there. And I, and, I, again, I'm not disappointed that Ruffalo was our secret organizing figure behind it all. I'm just saying that I wish we could have gotten more of the Four Horsemen so we could have relished hey, their that's achievements. That's why you get Now You See Me too. That's true. That one, that one is, from what I can remember, a little more focused on their adventures. So maybe I should rewatch Now You See Me too and see if I could buck the consensus there. <laughs> not everybody has the move the money of Disney to make Marvel movies about each central character and then build successful movies about all of them together. <laughs> yeah, what happened to the Now You See Me cinematic universe? I want my Thaddeus Bradley origin movie. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> Did you... Come on, Christian. Indulge me. No, no, but I think Thaddeus says in his cell, a man can spend a lot of time thinking behind these bars. That's the same line that Morgan Freeman says in Shawshank. It is. And that's something that's fun about Now You See Me. I think they, they try to throw some winks and nods at the audience here and there. For example, early on when the Four Horsemen first come together and Daniel Atlas and Merritt McKinney meet each other, those two played by Jesse Eisenberg and Woody Harrelson, Eisenberg's character goes, have we met before? Something like that. And that is a wink to them being in Zombieland, which came out a few years before this. Or they were two of the of the stars in that movie. A movie which I like a lot more than this one. Maybe it could come up on a cinema drip down the road. But there are little winks towards other movies or other historical events even throughout. Which which is kind of fun. It, it shows that they actually cared and, and tried to put some just some fun Easter egg kind of things into the script. Which is always appreciated in our blockbusters. I think where Now You See Me actually genuinely does succeed is just as an original blockbuster getting all of these famous people many of whom you probably knew before going into the movie dave franco again being the youngest he, he was still building his career at that time but especially morgan freeman and michael Caine and mark ruffalo these actors who and woody harrelson too these actors who had been around and you had some kind of relationship to it's just fun watching movie stars have fun making movies and michael Caine and morgan freeman get a couple scenes across from one another which you, you don't get that in so many blockbusters these days just these two legends of the screen getting to ham it up <laughs> in a scene together which is just so fun and like you're saying, the, sh the showmanship and the, the pizzazz of the magic is really enjoyable, even if they're they're doing a lot of explaining how it happens as well. So I think all in all, I, I still feel good about this movie. I still enjoy the the glossiness, the block the blockbusteriness, if you will. And it works because it's not trying to mine the depths of the human experience for meaning through magic. It's just trying to have a good time. And I think it succeeds at doing that. Can we talk about Magic Month as a whole? We sure can, Christian. Because I feel like at this point, we've I, I think we've talked through all we could about Now You See Me. 
Yeah, probably. Paul, do you have any final thoughts on Now You See Me before we move on? If you haven't seen Now You See Me 2 already, go watch it. And maybe there's a third one coming out. It's been in the rumor mill for a while. <laughs> I know I'm concerned. Both Now You See Me and Now You See Me 2 were successes at the box office and made similar amounts of money, but Now You See Me 2 had a bigger budget and about the same. So I'm wondering if that's why there's pause on the third one. We'll see. I, I do want to withdraw some of my complaints from Now You See Me 2 because the director of that is the same director as In the Heights. John M. Chu. John M. Chu. So I'm I'm going to withhold until I see whether In the Heights deserves for me to give Now You See Me 2 a reevaluation. So you're, are you saying that in the Heights could be so good, it changes your opinion on a completely different and unrelated movie, or that you would it just be willing to maybe watch I should it again? Re- <laughs> it makes me think maybe I should rewatch it and see if I fall asleep this time again. Oh, don't worry. No matter how much I like The Prestige, I will still dislike Insomnia. Now You See Me, folks, is streaming for free with ads on Tubi TV. It is also rentable, a great number of places if you hadn't had a chance to catch up with it yet or you're looking to rewatch it after our discussion. So now we get a chance just to reflect on Magic May here with Paul Gonzalez, who it was his idea. It was his suggestion that we look at these movies. So, Paul, this month we got to watch and talk through The Prestige, The Illusionist, and Now You See Me. As you get a chance to to look back at the month what are your general thoughts? Were you happy with how it went? Are there movies that we didn't get to that you wish we could have gotten to? Or maybe some you just want to throw out as honorable mentions. If people had fun this month, they could go check this out. And if you're happy with it, then hey, Christian and I will be will be satisfied with that too. I think if I would have had to pick three movies to reflect on, these would have been my three. The Prestige, The Illusionist I had heard great things of before. I hadn't seen it before the podcast came coming out. I did watch it before I listened to it. Don't worry. All of you, you should definitely watch the movies before you listen to the podcast because there are spoilers. And I definitely just enjoyed it. I think there's other magic movies that exist, like The Incredible Burt Wonderstone with Steve Carell. There is real magic in it. I can't say it's a great film. And then there's one out recently. I think it's called Magic Camp. It's about kids that actually go to a magic camp and put on a performance all the magic in that I think is a hundred percent real. I don't think they use any CGI in that film. So, and then yes, um, if you're looking to learn magic, there's plenty on YouTube. Magicians I recommend are Spidey. He's a mentalist. He bears a lot to Woody Harrelson's character in this movie. He wears a hat most of the time. He's hilarious. And he teaches a lot of basic stuff that you can go and learn. And Wes Barker does a lot of stuff. He's more of a stunt magician and he does a lot of magic reviews about movies as well. So He's one person I went and watched to research most of the magic for these movies. Is is mentalism real? So I think Now You See Me actually does a really good job of p- portraying it. When uh, Merritt McKinney is in the in-, in the investigation room, he says, what is it? It's like, it's psychology, targeted guessing, and sometimes just luck. There, There is no universal tick for lying or it's like, yes, I know for a fact you have that card. But you can make certain general guesses about stuff like saying you went, you experienced a really big change in your life between 10 and 19. Yeah, most of us went through puberty. Most of us went through college. Whoop de doo. You had a really big change between 10 and 19. Christian, maybe we can get into mentalism off off camera here. I guess not camera because the folks at home are just listening to it. But off off recording later, we can start using mentalism to coerce each other into liking the same movies. 
stop having so many fights, you know? No, I'm good. Okay. I think the banter does great things for your podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. I'll put my mentalism training on hold, I guess. Doesn't doesn't do the best for our friendship, though. So, Christian, we know that you sometimes don't like my selections. Often we reflect on these blends of the month, and it's me who has the weird months with the strange movies and the bad ones. Oh, that I have make a much better way. track record than you do, yeah. <laughs> Into the blends. So, just what were your general thoughts before we get to our awards categories? I liked the selection. Now, I haven't delved into like the history of magic movies. I'm sure that there are other films we're not even mentioning. That being said, I enjoyed what we got and that they were all modern. Because now in in terms of where the trend would go, it would probably follow in the footsteps of one of these three films. I mean, in all honesty, it would probably follow in the footsteps of Now You See Me. Well, I'm glad that this month you at least liked the choices, even if they weren't all good movies. <laughs> but we now turn our eyes to our monthly awards. We like to pass these out at the end of each blend of the month to see some of our favorites, because obviously each movie has a chance to to give us pieces and parts that we really like, maybe even more so. Sometimes from a bad movie, we find good, and there's still things to enjoy. So we get to reflect on some of those things here. For our blend-specific category, gentlemen, I asked you each to think about your favorite magic moment from these movies. So, Paul, we'll start with you. What was your favorite magic moment from one of these movies? I'm sorry, Scott. I have a tie here. This was too hard. And I think that's because... The two are very similar. I have a tie between Dylan Rhodes revealing himself at the end as magic and then us finding out Christian Bale has a twin in The Prestige just because both the dedication to do that. One, to fool the FBI. I don't know how that gets passed with your background checks that you're not Lionel Strike's secret child from forever. And then you somehow get past all of this in an entire investigation. But even the effort to hide a twin, I can't imagine that. But the reveal is just so successful at the end. So I'm sorry. I'm giving out two awards. Ties are allowed, Paul. Ties are allowed. So thank you. Christian, what was your favorite magic moment? I'll go with the Christian Bale reveal. Because the Christian Bale reveal floored me the first time. So I I have to say that, that it, it was fun. And on rewatching The Prestige, it, it held up. Like, everything else held up and made more sense on my way to the finale. So, so yeah, that's my pick. Gentlemen, you two are of an accord. And I guess I didn't think about the twin reveal as counting for the magic moment. But I guess it is an explanation of how their their tricks were pulled off. So, my pick is not that choice, but I think it is a good one. For me, my favorite magic moment is from The Prestige as well, and it is when Angier discovers that Tesla's machine works, just not the way that they intended it. When they come across the field of hats and the double cats, that moment where you're like, oh, it, it's all coming together, and you see the, the themes of this attempt to show magic in a real sort of way, replicating magic, but also starting to incorporate some 
slight sci-fi and fantasy because you kind of can't avoid it when it comes to these movies. I think Nolan handled that really well. And that magic moment, I guess mine's a cheat too because it's no magic at all. It's science. But they, I don't know. That moment just stood out to me upon rewatch as well. So that is where I went. Uh, next, a more conventional category, gentlemen. Best performance. So your favorite performance from these three movies. Paul, again, we'll start with you. Again, I'm not a film critic, but I really liked Morgan Freeman's performance of Thaddeus Bradley. Just even the small moment that it was, it was very captivating. It's like, I'm going to be this guy whose sole purpose is to ruin other magicians' career. And he's like, so filled into that character and at the very end when he gets bust and thrown in prison he just captivates himself of like how did i get this wrong how could i not have seen that and he's like how did you get the best of me i had to go with him hey you don't have to be a film critic to appear on cinema drip and we appreciate your awards that you're giving out because it just it adds more diversity to the people chosen it adds it gives different opportunities to be shouted out so thank you for sharing paul Christian, who is your best performance? Uh, it, it was easy. I'm going with Christian Bale. You? Christian Bale being your favorite from something? What a surprise. I don't need this guy. <laughs> I think Christian Bale gave the best performance. I think Morgan Freeman was exceptional. I do. I think Morgan Freeman is top three. I think that the three best performers of what we've seen are, uh, I mean, honestly, Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman, Morgan Freeman, honestly, and also um, Rebecca Hall. I think was one of the better ones but yeah it, it if christian bale is in something it's hard for me to not say best thing and although i tease you i am actually with you and that i think christian bale was my favorite performance from these movies as well and i remember talking through the prestige with you christian reflecting on the fact that he has to be two different people who are trying to share a life and he handles that nuance really well in my opinion and gives a generally good performance one that would be good if he were just playing one magician but the fact that he is trying to portray twin brothers i think makes his performance all the better especially on rewatch when you get to look for those moments where you wonder which brother is which so lastly gentlemen it's time for best picture so paul again we will start with you what was your best picture from this blend of the month I've alluded to it the whole podcast, but it's 100% the prestige. Just the way that whole film sets up the entire finale. I mean, Christopher Nolan is a directorial genius. I do not use that word lightly. It is beautiful, everything about that movie. Christian? I, 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 same. Yep, same. <laughs> that was an easy I mean, one for all of us, I think. It, it's it, it, It's not even close. It's, well, okay... Numbers one, two, and three, and the movies we put in those slots were very, very set. <laughs> there was no real competition as to which one was the worst and which one was the second best either. <laughs> I I agree there was no real competition, but I try to approach every blend that we do with an open mind. You never know when a movie will surpass its reputation or when it will surprise you, or when it will be really bad and you're expecting it to be really good. So I always go in expecting that anything could walk away, but I'm with the both of you in that The Prestige is far away, in my opinion, the best movie that we watched this May. Both in terms of just being a an entertaining movie that is telling an interesting story that has a fascinating plot twist, puts on good magic, but also 
handling the actual attempt at themes and and <laughs> getting at something interesting beyond just the surface it handles that well and i think where the illusionist fails is that it's trying to get at these heavy themes but it's not really succeeding and where naisimi succeeds is that it's just trying to be entertaining but the prestige manages to be both entertaining and help us ex again ex you know explore obsession and rivalries and the personas of entertainers it, it's just a fascinating movie you can watch it multiple times without you know needing to be surprised by the twist it, it's just a a great movie so sounds like we're all in accord there on our best picture and now before we move on to the end of the show here we have a bonus question gentlemen a bonus question for magic may which magician show would you actually want to go to <laughs> so your options being borden or Angier from The Prestige, Eisenheim from The Illusionist, or The Four Horsemen from Now You See Me. Which show would you most want to attend? Uh, Paul, is that a question I see? Yes. My question is, would I have to see them in modern day, or would I be seeing them at the time point at which the movie is set? That's a very important question. That is a good question. So imagine that for Borden, Angier, or Eisenheim, you get to go in a time machine and see their show at the time and then you just be whisked right back okay I'm, my answer is the same <laughs> mine is different then if we're going back in time i'm going to see an eisenheim show because the trick that he does of paul you were doing so good no but i'm sorry the trick that he does scott alluded to it is a real trick it's called pepper's ghost the way of seeing that of actually seeing someone someone come back to life would have been astounding to see in the late 1800s that trick alone would have been worth it to see not knowing everything about modern technology today because that would be so easily replicable. The way it's originally done, though, is brilliant and way ahead of its time. Let's go, You're Paul. You're seeing Edward Norton extend his arm and, like, have a seizure. You know, Christian, the real trick would have been more impressive, as Paul was indicating. So I appreciate the illusionist getting at least one shout out in its favor here on this show. Christian, who would you go see? The Four Horsemen. I'm okay. Look, I love the Prestige. It is by and far the best movie. I don't want to see. Oh, Hugh Jackman's here now. Hugh Jackman's over there. Whoa! I want my bank account to go up by seventy thousand dollars. How? How is this a question? That only happened at one of the performances, Christian. What if you were at the Las Vegas show where all you got was euros? Then you'd have to go get them exchanged they're worth more than american dollars that's worth it scott that's a bad argument for that all right yep that's fair pardon pardon <laughs> my my idiocy uh, go i i i just i okay look, I, I i don't get even if i were to go back in time oh wow christian bale's here now christian bale's over there uh christian just being too cool for a man transporting himself across space and time whatever I would have been more than content to go back in time to see one of our gentlemen from The Prestige. And I had to go with Borden, and here's why. Angier is a great showman, but is he a great magician? No. The real heads know that Borden was the better magician. So I would be in the small crowd at Borden's show, getting an absolute clinic of magic, and it would have been amazing. That's where I would have gone, gentlemen. So, Christian, if I somehow show up at your door teleporting from Ohio to california you're not going to be impressed 
you have $70,000 with you? Oh, my god! Like, that's my thing. Sure. But if I have the a one in three chance to get money, I, I'm... <laughs> look, look, I'm sure I, I would enjoy any... I would enjoy three out of the four. <laughs> I, I... No, look, even if I were there, maybe the trick's impressive. I don't know this woman who died. I don't. But there were it, all kinds it, I, of people brought back Christian. Would do we do the child? I think I would enjoy basically anything, but I I'm I I have student debt. <laughs> and that is fair. So the four horsemen at least get you a little bit out of your debt. Thank you for indulging my bonus question, gentlemen. That brings Magic May to its conclusion. Paul, as the person who suggested the idea, I'm glad to hear that you were a fan of our choices for the movies that we watched, and I'm glad that you could join us as well. Thank you for being here. Wanted to ask you, do you have anything to plug for those listening along at home where folks can get a little more Paul Gonzalez in their life if they are looking for it? As I said, I am a magician. I have done virtual shows. If you want to hire me, I am more than willing to do it. I do do in-person shows as well. I guess you might have to fly me out to California, Scott, if you want to see a show. And I will have more content on a YouTube channel coming soon. Paul in one, you'll find me at some point. There you go. Keep an eye out for Paul's YouTube channel. And when Christian and I start getting some advertising income on this show, maybe we can fly you out for a Cinema Drip sponsored show. That would, that would be very fun. It might take three to five business years, but we'll see. This concludes Magic May. Thank you, Paul for the idea and for joining us here on today's show. Now we do get to announce what's coming next. And of course, we're not diving into a brand new blend of the month just yet, but we have a streaming recommendations episode to look ahead to. So Christian, go ahead and tell the folks listening at home what kind of recommendations they'll be getting fresh in their podcatcher next Friday. So we're each going to be choosing a film that stars Edward Norton and we will also each be choosing a music film, different from a musical. A music film is one in which there is consistent use of music, but they are counted as performances. They are not in place of dialogue. Example, A Star is Born is a music film, not a musical. And I think some people would, would quibble with what makes a musical versus a music film. But keep and your those quibbling. those people aren't here, Scott. Keep your those quibbling, folks. Aren't here. I was saying, to, I was, I'm with you. I'm with you, my friend. This is a quibble-free zone. Only Christian and I and our guests get to quibble. So two Edward Norton movies and two music movies coming at you. One, looking back to this month's blend, where we're going to look at hopefully a better <laughs> couple Edward Norton movies than The Illusionist, and look ahead to next month's blend. Your hint is music movies. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have reached this point of the show, thank you so much for listening along. It is so much fun to put these shows together, and we thank you for your support. There are a few other things that you can do to help the Cinema Drip podcast grow and reach new listeners. Number one, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribing wherever you listen, that would be hugely helpful in reaching new listeners on those platforms. You can also send us an email at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. Paul did, and his idea was accepted for a blend of the month, and he got to appear on the show. So 
Christian and I can't promise anything that will incorporate all of your feedback. So, you know, Paul was Paul was patient, and we thank you for that, Paul. But, of course, we do love your feedback and suggestions for movies to cover on the show. So please do send us an email at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow Christian and myself on social media. We're on Twitter. You can also follow the show at Twitter at cinemadrip. Or follow Christian and myself on Letterboxd, where we are rating and reviewing the things that we're watching. Christian... You did want to shout out a social media that you use more frequently, correct? You have a social media you, you wanted to pitch. You you were just pleased that I often did the social media pitching at the end of the show, correct? <laughs> what? Now Paul's laughing. Paul's... Christian, you got mad at me for always reading off the social medias, and you're not an avid Twitter user. You wanted to chat something else out. Is this correct? What did I want to shout out? Well, now I don't want to say I don't want you getting followers you don't want. <laughs> Wait, what am I shouting out? What did I say? Well, you, you now on our production meeting, you were saying that you were displeased that I always did the, the rattling off of things at the end because you're not the most frequent Twitter user. And so you were going to shout out something else, I thought, or perhaps another social media site that you are more active on. People are looking to, to engage with you on the social medias. Is this what am I more active on? You you made it seem like you had a platform that you preferred. There's one that I know you prefer, but it's one where you can't really engage publicly, so I won't mention. But <laughs> You're making no sense. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Type it in the chat. Type it in the chat while I keep rattling off. Keep rattling I, off the things. I don't. Oh, yeah, I like Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> So follow Christian on Instagram, folks. It's a private account. <laughs> Christian, <laughs> ex- accept our listeners if they try to follow you on Instagram. I want them to see your pictures. Was that the whole thing? Was it just that I like Instagram? Uh, yes, Paul. I'm going to 100% request to follow Christian on Instagram after this. I'm shocked I haven't requested to follow him already. There you go. I already got you one new follower, Christian. Post some Cinema Drip content there for the listeners. I think Instagram is better. I think Instagram's honestly like one of the, uh, maybe the best social media site. No, actually, I am a fan of Venmo, though. <laughs> As indicated by your preferred magicians being the four horsemen. So follow Christian on Instagram. I never use Instagram, so I don't know his handle. You can find it, or he can say it right now, perhaps. Christian, do you want people to follow you on Instagram? It's my name. It's it's just my name. Find his name on Instagram, folks. It's your scavenger hunt for the week. This podcast is quickly devolving into chaos. And so I have one more thing to say. It's that he's Christian Newviews. I'm Scott Lentz. And we're thankful to have been joined by Paul Gonzalez. And this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast. <laughs>